Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. How's it going, Paul? Hey, great, Vinny. How are you? Good, good. Glad to have you on. You So you're a, another podcaster and you're the managing partner founder of Wellings Capital. Yeah, that's right. So we were we were talking a little before we got on mic and kind of the idea behind your podcast was kind of a similar idea of, of why I put this one together and how learning from the failures and kind of pushing through kind of give us a little idea about your podcast off the back. Yeah. So, you know, I, Vinny, I would go for years to these conferences and some of them were my personal life, some in real estate. And there'd be people on stage telling their story and they were great. You know, they were like, you know, well, I did this and I met this guy and I met this billionaire who called me out of the blue and they had this amazing success and that's why they were on stage. But then I would sit around these breakout tables and these guys would be like, you know, guys and gals, but especially men would be like, you know, they'd be shaking their head like, oh, I'll never meet a billionaire. I'll never have the success like that guy. I just think I might quit. And they don't necessarily say that, but their tone was saying that they they just could never get there. And this one conference in particular, I went to seven years in a row. It was like people were just almost like one-upping each other on stage for how successful they were. One time, all the speakers were on stage on a panel and somebody said, so what are your failures? What are you scared of? And they just looked, they all deer in the headlights. And finally, one of them, the second most famous guy goes, I think I've failed to, to convince the next generation of how awesome this vision I have is or something really <laughs> ridiculous. And so I thought, you know, if I ever get on stage, I'm going to tell the truth. Well, when I got on stage, Vinny, I realized these people had the same problems failures, fears, insecurities, setbacks, losses that I and everybody else did. So when I started a podcast years later, I, I called it How to Lose Money. And we interview successful people who have had failures on their road to success. <laughs> I know. I love it. I mean, it's, I mean, we, we get, I think, a, a, a short snapshot of someone's life. And so you have to kind of give that false bravado of kind of who you are. Yeah. But then you dive deeper and you find out, yeah, their failures have kind of pushed them through. So let's let's talk about basically your path to success. You went to Ohio State for college. Yeah. Okay, so let's just kind of walk us through. Yeah, I went to Ohio State. Uh, I got an engineering degree before that. I went to Ohio State for an MBA, got out. And I uh, went to Ford Motor Company for about five years. I loved and still love Ford, but I actually felt that my I, I was supposed to be an entrepreneur. And so my buddy and I started a staffing firm in Detroit. We did that for about five years. I was finalist for Entrepreneur of the Year a couple of years in a row. And I laughed about that because I was thinking about, I, I, again, I could see all the shortcomings in our business and my life, but I was, I'm, I'm sure it was the same for the people who won, you know, and the other finalists. But anyway, um, quit that, sold the company to a publicly traded firm, moved to the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. And, you know, I, 
I started a nonprofit which reached out to international students studying in the US and I thought I'm a full-time investor now. And actually, you know, Vinny, I wasn't an investor at all. I didn't even know what investing was. I was a full-time speculator is what I was. You know, investing is when your principal is generally protected and you've got a chance to make a return, but speculating is when your principal is completely at risk and you've got a chance to make a return. And that's what I was doing. So, you know, 10 years after I had two, uh, almost $2 million in the bank, 10 years later, I found myself with two and a half million dollars in debt. And um, that was going into the great recession and all my money and all the debt was tied up against real estate assets. So I found myself in a really difficult position and, um, uh, it was it was a crazy story. I can tell you what happened. In summary, uh, my wife and I committed to giving our way out of debt. We saw these amazing people in history who were just so generous with their money, and I thought, well, you know, we're up. Our, our backs are against a wall. It's going to take a miracle or bankruptcy to get us out of this. So we decided we were going to give our way out of debt. We started giving a set amount every week to charity, nonprofit, church, stuff we cared about. And four weeks later, I had this idea drop into my brain through a real estate developer's comment. And uh, it took a lot of work, but I was able to subdivide a piece of property that wasn't legally subdividable. I was able to get around the law uh, in, you know, in full view of the law, not like I didn't do anything behind anybody's back. I was able to use a loophole in the law. And 13 months later, right in the heart of the great, great recession, right the very month, the stock market hit the bottom. Uh, we went from two and a half million dollars in debt to completely debt free. So there's a lot of, a lot of nuggets. I think to take away a lot of things to kind of dive deeper into. So you said basically, you did a lot of speculative, so your assets weren't protected, right? When you're making the investments, how does someone, when they're basically investing, not take the risks but get the the reward? So you know, there's a, a false thing you get in your mind to picture: low risk leads to low return, high risk leads to high return. But that's not really true. High risk leads to high return and high potential loss as well. And so the question is, is there a way to protect our principal and still get a really good and even a high return? I mean, Buffett's found a way to do it. And I mean, if I really wanted to get in the nuts and bolts of the answer, it would come down to having a very high debt service coverage ratio. But that's, again, again, getting down into the weeds. But basically, there are ways to invest in commercial real estate that protect you from taxes and that also shield your principal, but then generally result in a very, very strong outcome return-wise. And that's what we do now, 10 years after, 11 years after that event with getting out of debt, uh, we run a commercial real estate fund that does exactly that. So were you learning the job? Did you have a mentor teaching you the ropes of understanding the difference between those two avenues? Yeah, I did. Um, we actually did a multifamily project uh, in North Dakota in 2011 and operated that uh, successfully, sold it for a nice profit. 
And then in 2014, I realized, you know, we just did this big multifamily project, but I didn't even know what a rent roll was. I didn't even know what, a, you know, how to run an apartment. So I actually went to a mentoring program, cost me about 25,000 bucks. And uh, my partner and I learned the nuts and bolts of what we needed to know, got the experience, the connections, everything we need to know to successfully uh, own and operate and syndicate commercial real estate. How do you... I always look the question I always love is because I've had a lot of coaches on here, right? Is finding out the right coach, right mentor. Because there's a lot of I don't know, I think false coaches out there and false mentors. When you dive deeper to find out the right mentor program to sign up with and pay the twenty five thousand dollars, how do you know it was the right program? Yeah. Um, one thing we really liked about this one is it had a set curriculum. It had videos, had workbooks. It, it wasn't just, let's let's see what we can learn together. Number two, it had a set fee. It wasn't like, okay, come to this weekend event for you know $500 and then we're going to sell you a $10,000 program, which in turn sells you a $20,000 program. It was a set fee of $25,000. It would never be any more than that unless we wanted to partner with the, the mentor. Third answer to your question we got a lot of references. We talked to a lot of people and we were convinced that this was a good program for us. Now let's just jump back to your story. So you talked about that you knew at a kind of younger age that you were an entrepreneur at heart. Yet you you uh, signed up with what, Ford Motors, right? Yeah, Ford Motor Company in Detroit. So what, what, ha what happened there from the idea of, of starting your own business to joining a company and being part of a corporation? Was that... And what was the idea behind that? Yeah, so I, I I thought back over the years. I don't even know if I knew as a kid what the word entrepreneur meant or was. I thought back, and I don't I don't think I think by the time I got out of grad school, and I'm talking, you know, when I was 23, maybe 24, I think I'd only met one entrepreneur. I mean, I might have met a few. I forgot, but. Uh, my dad's pharmacist. He had a one-man shop with no employees. So he, you know, really was he really a, an entrepreneur or was he just self-employed? He was more self-employed. But anyway, I, I just wasn't raised in that culture. You know, back in the '60s, '70s, '80s, people nobody knew anybody. I mean, very few people knew anybody who worked from home or you know ran their own business it was pretty much you know you get a job in corporate america you work there for 43 years you retire and that's it and that's how things were at the time so i didn't know any better well so let's say someone right now is in the same kind of idea the same rut that you were in right that they feel there's something else that they want to be their own boss or they want to run their own show yet they don't really know how to assess that truly if, if they're uh, made for that. Can you kind of walk us through the mindset that you had to go through going to Ford, figuring out maybe that wasn't right for you? And Yeah. So it was just like kind of a, even though I liked Ford, I found myself evenings and weekends tinkering with trying to start a side business. And it wasn't because I was so greedy. I, I, I liked Ford just fine. I was just a little bored, uh, a little bit wanting to do something more, I think, wanting to have other options. I think in answer to your question, I think people, if they're in that situation, they should consider re reading The E-Myth by Michael Gerber or The E-Myth Revisited. Um, and that will help people walk through, hey, what, you know, what do I need to know to really truly be an entrepreneur? 
And also, you know, there's something from Robert Kiyosaki, you know, rich dad, poor dad fame called the cash flow quadrant. And it takes you from being a W2 employee to being self-employed, to being a business owner, to being a passive investor. Those are the four stages he talks about. Do you think there's anything that Ford Motors could have done if they wanted to keep you on? Is there anything they could have done to keep you on where you would have been happy staying with them? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. you know, even if they'd have given me some thing, some side thing, like let's say I knew the president of Ford and he really wanted to keep me and he let me go tinker with some entrepreneurial thing, like start some new thing. I think I still would have been working for them. And I think I love the idea, you know, of controlling my own destiny, my own financial outcome. And I'll tell you, Vinny, it's meant I didn't know where I was going to have to, ha you know, I didn't know where I was going to have the money to make my next mortgage payment many times over the years. But I still enjoy the, you know, the whole, the whole entrepreneurial lifestyle, even if it has meant a lot more stress and a lot more financial ups and downs. Uh, were there any moments when you're, when you didn't know where your next monthly payment was going to come from, where you oh. thought about going back to like Ford Motors or another establishment that you have a city paycheck? Absolutely. And the funny thing is, and I don't tell this part of the story because I almost always forget it. But in the middle of 2008, while I was going from two and a half million dollars in debt to debt free that same year, I was also applying for jobs. I actually got a job offer. It was verbal at the time from a large company. I'm trying to think of who it was. It was a well-known company, corporation. And they were all like, you know, getting ready to send me down to HR to get started. And they said, we're going to start you out in San Francisco and then maybe Houston. I said, hold on. I applied for this job here in Charlotte, North Carolina, not Houston or San Francisco. And they said, oh, we thought you knew you'd have to transfer. And I'm like, uh, let me think about it. And so that gave them enough pause that we both decided not to do it. But I'm so glad that I did not take that job. I have no idea what I would be doing now. Wow. It's crazy how one thing can just change everything. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah, that one quick split second decision to say, no, I'm not going to San Francisco. And that was not my way. I mean, I was, you know, I was, my dad always taught me to be responsible. And if I wasn't in a place where I could pay my bills, I, mean, I was living off credit cards at the time in 2008, you know, and that was not cool. Would well, you remember the moment that you stopped applying for businesses? Like um, yeah, that was the moment. Oh, so right after that, after you knew that that wasn't a right fit, you go, maybe I need to reassess what I'm doing. And yeah, exactly. Uh huh. That's exactly when it was. Wow. Well, things change. Um, now, growing your business and building your business, has there been any more struggles that you've kind of had to go to? Maybe getting eyes on your platform, knowing the business, anything else that has kind of been uh, big hurdles that you've you've kind of worked towards? Work yeah. So Wellings Capital, you know, so we, in 2014, I started this mentoring program, went through the intensive mentoring in 14. Part of that mentoring was for me to build a tribe, a group of people who followed me and who would invest with me. And I only knew a handful of people. I had been doing all these small real estate investments, like, you know, a $300,000 waterfront lot, you know, or whatever. And I had these investors in those. 
I didn't have a large following of investors. And so my mentor was telling me I had to get that. And I kept telling him, yeah, I know this guy in China who knows all these wealthy people. I'll just call him when I need money. And when he kept telling me that won't work. <laughs> well, two times I had multifamily apartment deals teed up and I called the guy in China both times it failed. Like he was on Chinese New Year once. And I said, I need an answer now. He goes, well, I'll get back to you in a month. And then somebody else, you know, the other one, the deal was too small. It was like a $4 million deal. He said, we don't write anything less than a, let's say, $10 million check. And so I, I called my mentor and was whining about this. I had an employee and a business partner on the phone. And he made a commitment to us. He would, he would always take our calls if he could. And he would always give us help. And he, he yelled at me kind of, he's like, listen, Paul, don't call me again until you've done what I said. And I knew what he said, and that was to build a tribe. And so I hung up from that in August or September of 2016, so depressed. I had been, you know, working on this with him, with this group for two and a half years since February of 2014. And I was embarrassed. I was depressed. Well, I flipped on my podcast app a few days later, and I didn't know what this purple little button on my iPhone was, this podcast app. I'm like, what is this anyway? And I, I put in there capital raising because I knew I had to learn to raise capital. And I came across a, a podcast where I heard a story, and that story, along with these other events and this embarrassing moment I had with my mentor, everything just changed my life. The story in summary was this, if it's kind of silly, kind of a parable, but if you want to live up north and you love salmon, you can do two things. Option one is you can become a spear fisherman. Let's say you're in the wild up north. You got To be a spear fisherman, you're going to learn to have to get the right limb, to whittle it down. You're going to have to learn to throw a spear. You're going to have to learn to retrieve the fish. You're going to have to stand by this dark stream and hope a salmon swims by right when you're ready to hit it. And then you might get a salmon or two. He said, that's how most people raise capital. He said, the other way is to be a grizzly bear standing in the waterfall when the salmon are jumping, running upstream. He said, you just stand there and unhinge your jaw and let them jump into your mouth. And he said, that's how you need to raise capital. He said the way to become the grizzly bear is to be a, somebody who creates content, free content, let, or, or you know other, all kinds of content. So podcasts, YouTube videos like you are, um, uh, book, books, ebooks, special reports, um, all that kind of stuff, blogs. And so I realized at that moment I was going to have to create content. And then have people come to me. Well, fast forward four years, uh, we have done all that. And now we have more money coming to us to invest in our commercial real estate deals than we can even use. So if, if someone's listening and, and they basically want to invest, be part of one of your Nest investments, how, how does the process work? Is it reaching out to you saying, I have this much money or is it on a mailing list or what's the process? Yeah, so we work with accredited investors, and if if you're accredited, you know who you are uh, generally. Um, basically, it's a fifty thousand dollar minimum. Somebody can come check out our webinars at wellingscapital.com. They can check out our blog posts, our special reports, 
And if you have an interest in learning more, you can schedule a call with my business partner or I, and then we will chat with you about what's involved in investing in recession-resistant commercial real estate. Now, with all the, the information that you've accumulated and the knowledge base that you've, you've, you've understood now and knowing entrepreneur, building this business, what kind of advice would you give to that, that college kid, that Ohio State college kid? Yeah, if they want to be an entrepreneur, uh, talk about yourself. Huh? Talk about yourself. Talk, if if you I was given myself advice, well, yeah. I, I've actually thought of this many times, and I don't know that I would have had the humility to receive the advice I would give right now. But what I would say, Vinny, I'd say jump into real estate as soon as possible, and I would say to myself specifically, jump into commercial real estate. Uh, the four Forbes 400 wealthiest people in the world, most of them invest in commercial real estate. And therefore, I would have definitely recommended that. I would have recommended more mentoring and coaching and perhaps maybe less school, although I, I appreciate that I went to school and everything. Everything I've learned, I mean, virtually nothing I've used in my life came from those six years of college. Wow. And yeah, except for maybe some of the debt. Yeah, a little bit of that for sure. <laughs> uh, any any last words of wisdom that you can provide to any of our listeners out there that, I mean, I know you've talked about your own struggles. Maybe if someone's working through some struggles right now, uh, any kind of advice that you could offer a business owner? Yeah, so I would just get used to struggles. Struggles are normal. I mean, no matter how successful or unsuccessful I've been at different times, Struggles are normal. The crazy thing we learned from how to lose money from interviewing 225 people in the last four years has been this, you know, there, there's like some of the, the life lesson they learned was never give up, never give up. I keep going, going, going. I finally had a breakthrough in success. Remember that the guy in the Think and Grow Rich uh, book, you know, who was about four inches or two feet away from a gold the biggest gold strike in history and he gave up and went back to the east coast and the guy who came in after him found it well okay there's that lesson and that's really good there's another lesson though that some of the the the, <clears throat> the interviewees had and that was give up quick <laughs> what give up quick and they're like, yeah, you've got to know when to cut your losses. If you're in the wrong business and you just realize it's going to be bad, like this guy I interviewed recently, he said, I put, he said, how do you make a million dollars in, in restaurant business? I said, I don't know how. He said, start with two million. He said he put in two million into this restaurant chain. And he said, like, he lost a, almost a million of it, like in about nine months. And he realized, a month or two into it that he was on the wrong path. And he said, if he would have just cut his losses, he would have only lost a couple hundred thousand instead of a million. And I realized that was the same for me. I did a wireless internet company in North Dakota after the multifamily deal and the wireless internet company months into it, we could have realized we were on the wrong path and we could have given investors, including me, the largest investor back a lot of our money. Instead, we kept grinding it out for eight years. And uh, never made a profit. <laughs> what is there a, a trick or a technique that you've learned over the years to to know when to give up and when not to give up? 
we analyze this pretty hard on the How to Lose Money show, and we're going to do our final episode actually next Monday. And um, we're going to talk about that exact question. And the answer is something like this. If you're on the right path and you have all the sense and deep down belief that you are on the right path, then you need to not quit. But if you're on the wrong path and you're just getting further and further from what you need to do, then you need to quit as soon as you possibly can. The problem, Vinny, is it's really hard to tell. Am I on the wrong path with the wrong people barking up the wrong tree? Or am I on the right path and I'm just hitting normal obstacles? It takes wisdom to figure that out. And sure, some people have that wisdom in their 20s, but I found that most people have that wisdom a little more dialed in when they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. Makes sense. Well, we're going to have your information for your podcast on this platform. So anyone listening right now, you're watching us on YouTube or Stitcher or Periscope, uh, we'll have the information here. Uh, if you're going to be listening on the uh, podcast, uh, we'll have the information there too. And thank you, Paul, for being on the podcast. Thank you for all the information you provided. And uh, keep up the journey. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.